Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Magically Cruising, the cruise podcast where we share our personal cruise experiences and tips with you to help you make the most out of your next cruise. My name's Kieran. I'm an independent travel agent specializing in all things cruise and Disney, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm from Cruising for All Cruising Kids and Mini Travellers. And this week, we are very excited. We have our first ever guest on our podcast as well. And it's a dear friend of Sarah's as well. So if you want to introduce yourself, Laura. Hi, I'm Laura. I am a blogger, I suppose, uh, from Cruise Lifestyle. Uh, We're very excited to have you with us. You've obviously got a wealth of cruise experience as well. And you're very prevalent on Twitter as well. And I do love engaging with your uh, cruise hour as well on Twitter when I remember I'm really bad at remembering when it is and then I normally get on about nine o'clock ten o'clock and choose it's Tuesday isn't it happens yeah Tuesday's eight o'clock um it's for an hour it does tend to go over a little bit and then people like you find it and then start replying so it does does extend a little bit past the nine o'clock but it's good to have a chat every week and it, it was really good to do during um, the lockdown when cruising completely stopped. It kind of kept us all a little bit sane once a week, just chatting about, about cruising until it started again. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice little group. Mm. It's, it's something I enjoy every week when I remember about it because it's really good to kind of a, pick up tips from other cruisers because everyone cruises slightly differently. So I love that part about it. But also to just share in my love of cruise with people as well. I think it's quite nice seeing people engage with my type of style of cruising that I personally like to do as well. And just kind of having that dialogue and having people kind of go, oh, I've never thought about that or I didn't think of that. Thanks for the tip. So I think it's a really lovely kind of little thing to do on Twitter and have that engagement and learn about other people's cruising as well. I really need to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. Come back, Sarah, when you can. I know you're no. a busy lady. I know once we get through this house renovation, I'll come back. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is a, a quite a diverse group. There is um, obviously people from the UK, but there are um, people from the US that join us if the time zone allows. Um, so we have a good range of people who um, cruise on all different types. So we have people who cruise on luxury. That was the topic for for yesterday's cruise hour. Was actually cruising in luxury. So we had um, different people again come on. Um, just to share their experience um, all the way down to people who um, cruise as much as possible and in order to do that they do look at more of the budget line so in and the other thing that um, has been really useful personally for me is um, ideas for place things to do in port or that kind of thing so the the excursion stuff has been really useful because people have been if you if you look at the amount of places that all these people have been there's got to be someone somewhere um, that's got a suggestion of something to do in, in particular areas or particular ports. So that's been really useful. I think that's the great thing about it. It does a really good job of showcasing how diverse cruise is as a product of the fact of, as you say, there's value cruise, there's premium, there's luxury, there's traditional, there's contemporary. And I think it's only when you engage with other people and let's speak to their experiences, so you get a real sense of just how amazing the cruise community is and how varied cruise holidays are you know even down to the regions americans cruise very differently to how europeans cruise so i think it's just really nice to kind of connect with other cruisers and kind of go oh yeah there's a whole world of ports i never even knew existed that i've come across now because of um, the cruise hour yeah exactly and like there's no agenda to it it is just literally just uh, an hour once a week just to chat about cruising so it's just a nice yeah it's just a nice hour of the week so today we're here to discuss your recent cruise and we're going to do a trip report on P&O Avia. So yes, how many times have you cruised on P&O before Laura? So I started when I was a child we started on P&O 
So right. we actually took two cruises on Canberra, which was, um, well, it's not even around anymore. It's been scrapped, unfortunately. But that was my first experience um, of P&O. And then um, we haven't actually done P&O until 20, it was 2venty. It was January of 2020 before things all kind of went a little wow, bit cash. Yeah. And so we went on Britannia um, to the Caribbean. We had we wanted our friends to come with us, and we said, "For your first cruise, where do you want to go?" And they said they kind of thought cruising. It's got to be the Caribbean. So um, we found quite a nice itinerary on Britannia. Um, so that was the last time we went on on a P and O ship. And so yeah, this is then the next time. So three years on, I suppose, um, on the the newest ship. Oh, I was going to say, so Avia then is the newest ship, and she's obviously the second in there. Is she XL class, isn't it? She's generally broadly yeah. known as the XL class because Carnival also have their own XL class ships. Very different from P&O XL class ships, but they're kind of part of that same um, class of ship ultimately. And I think she's definitely ch changing up the game a little bit for P&O as well, kind of with the kind of anytime dining and things like that as well on board. Um, so she's still that quintessential P&O experience, that very British cruise line, very British experience on board. But she's trying a few new things across that class of ship. Um, what would you say was your the reason why you chose this particular sailor? First of all, maybe tell us which cruise you did, which itinerary, and then why you chose that particular itinerary. Okay, so we took a 14-night cruise on Arvia from Southampton. It was a Mediterranean cruise, um, and it's doing pretty much that itinerary all the way through the summer of 2023 um, and then what it'll do is it'll go back to the Caribbean for the winter season so we um, we were invited to go to an event and uh, in Southampton and we looked at the cruise that was going out that day and then we looked at the price and we thought mm, shall we book it there was a few other reasons so this was um, end of April beginning of May and so it would also be um, over the time when the coronation was on. So I thought, actually, that might be quite interesting. British cruise line mm -hmm. coronation. They're probably going to do a fairly good job of that. Um, probably better than anything I'm going to be doing at home. And uh, there was two, which meant it was two bank holidays as well. So I only had to take eight days off work. And plus it was my birthday. So there was lots of factors. Oh, nice. And so I was thinking, actually... It's a bit of a no-brainer. We've got to drive four hours to get to Southampton anyway. We might as well make the most of it and go on a cruise. So, yeah, that was our reasoning behind it. Um, and plus the fact that it was a brand new ship-ish because it only started sailing in December of 22. Um, so it was a fairly new ship still. I'd never experienced that class of ship. And... So I thought, what a great opportunity for the price um, to try that kind of age of ship. Because usually new cruise ships always come with a, with a price, don't they? Um, yes. So yeah, 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 this was a good opportunity to do that. And plus, then when I looked at the itinerary, a lot of the ports, I think there was only one port that we'd been to previously. So that was just an extra uh, bonus. Yeah. It was just new places in the Mediterranean that we hadn't been to before. Wow. Did you book it last minute? About four weeks out. Wow. So that's even better because yeah. that's a surprise cruise. Uh, we already had a cruise book for June. We booked that back in January, but this was kind of like a little cheeky one that we added in at the last minute. I think it's that shoulder season, isn't it? You can get some fantastic prices if you are able to travel, obviously, um, outside of the summer holiday period. 
kind of go in May and then September, October time, you're going to find some fantastic prices on pretty much every single cruise line because it's kind of that shoulder season. So weather's a bit uncertain. Um, it's not as in demand because obviously the kids are in school. So if you are looking for a bargain from the UK, I can talk about at least anyway, definitely look at kind of that April, May and then um, uh, September, October period. You'll find some probably the best prices for a lot of these cruises, especially ex-UK sailings as well. We've Yeah, I would agree with that. We had, um, we've, we've had in the past, we've had some really good um, cruises in April and some of those have been repositioning ones. So that's been a bonus as well because we've gone from one place to another. We've stayed in um, both ports either end and extended the holiday and it's just bit offered a, a completely different itinerary to what, what mm-hmm. we would normally get. So, and the price again, yeah, April is good time yeah. for us. So what cabin did you choose, Laura? Okay, so I wouldn't say choose. <laughs> okay (laughs) what cabin were we given okay so we um because it was last minute ish um and we were going for the cheapest price that was offered and we had a guaranteed inside cabin so what we did was um was the first time we've always always chosen where our cabin is before we've always paid that little bit extra and made sure that we picked a stateroom or a cabin that was in a place that we wanted so not near a laundrette those kind of things kind of almost in the middle mid aft mid forward um but because of the 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 saver rate which pno offers um we had a guaranteed cabin and we the travel agent that online travel agent that we used you could pay like a little bit extra and it was only a little bit extra but you could pay a little bit extra and they said that they would guarantee that you weren't you were mid forward or mid aft which is what we we kind of wanted but also that it would be in a quieter location so it wouldn't be like what video so i know what's coming (laughs) so it would be in a quieter location and on the face of it where they put us which was deck four which was the lowest passenger jet deck that you could you could book um on the face of it it was quite quiet um it was in a really good location as well for getting on and off the ship in port because we um usually had the gangway either on deck three or deck four so that was really easy and that was a huge bonus because you know when you get back from port and then you're having to battle with a lift because you're cabins up so mm. high we didn't have that we literally either walked down the corridor or we just got, like walked up and down one flight of steps so that was a huge bonus and generally the deck itself was quiet but the cabin that they stuck us in was not right okay so the reason was is because they put us in the <laughs> last cabin um next to the crew area so we were a little bit worried about when we when we looked at the deck plan when we were allocated our cabin we looked at the deck plan and we, there was this huge void behind our cabin and we were like okay what like what's the worst case scenario we're we gonna have like engine vibrations and noise and things like that so when we initially got into the cabin we were like actually this is quite quiet um but what we did find out and we did materialize during the cruise was that because there's cr- there was crew areas basically underneath behind and to the side of our cabin that's when they were doing a lot of like moving around of trolleys and things i'm guessing like maybe laundry and things so th- there was lots of rumbling of thunder um that kind of noise 
where they were moving trolleys back and forth. And then um, there was one night. In fairness, there was one night when um, we then realised that the officer's crew mess was right next door as well. So on the coronation night, they let their hair down and they had a bit of a party. And they didn't invite you to it. That's the worst part. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. We, we heard them when it was kicking out time. So it was kicking out time at about two o'clock. And so we heard, we heard them all leaving and stuff. I mean, fairness, they're all allowed to, you know, have yeah, a good yeah. time and stuff. And it was only one night. So we could, we, we could manage that. Um, but it wouldn't have been our choice if we'd have chosen it. This is the thing. We talked about it in our cabin guide episode, wasn't it? It's that double-edged sword of kind of you're saving a lot of money, but you unfortunately never really know where you're going to be on the ship if you kind of go for guaranteed rates. So they and it can sometimes work in your favor. We've had it work in our favor. We've also had it work against us where we've been next door to the access to the floor. So again, equally at like six in the morning, you can hear them coming out with all the laundry and everything like that. And it's just a double-edged sword, unfortunately. You do and have to take the rough with a smooth if you kind of book a guaranteed cabin rate, isn't it? It's saving money potentially oh, yeah. in a great area yeah it, yeah it we the price so pno do two prices so they do a i think it's called select rate yeah and yeah. a save so. rate um and then the select rate you can choose your cabin location um you get a little perk so you might you can choose from from lots of different perks so like you can get free parking at the port or you can get on onboard credit or um, lots of things and then you get your shuttle buses for free when you import but the price difference between the saver rate and the select rate was something stupid like 600 pounds mm. so it was like we'd let's just go with this let's see we could get lucky <laughs> uh, um, but yeah it was like almost double the price to mm. do the select rate so that was our decision making so did you feel that you're not a massive drinker are you but did you feel that it wouldn't have been value for the drink package anyway because you went because 14 days is a long time to be on a cruise if you can have cocktails and wine so how do you feel panned out that you didn't have a drinks package so we um paid as we went um we had pretty much what we liked uh i like cocktails so i did tend to tend to if i had a drink it would be a cocktail um the good thing about P&O, that's worth knowing is that you can take a liter of spirit per person yeah. on with you. This shocked uh, me so... because usually cruise lines are really fussy about you taking alcohol on, but the fact you can take spirits on board with PO, that's just, no, that's some yeah. strong reasons to book a PO cruise. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I took a bottle of Aperol. Craig took a bottle of rum, um, some Captain Morgans, and then we don't think we took our mixers on with us some people do some i mean you know they they take everything with them you can interestingly you can buy then the mixers when you got off in port and they don't mind you bringing it back on again so there were some times where we just bought um soft drinks on the ship and then there was other times where we bought bottles of coke and lemonade and things and just brought them back on so they were there that's that is one bonus um Ooh. with P&O is that they do let you do that um so that you, you know you've got that in your cabin straight away I have seen pictures of people who are sharing like they're just getting ready to go on board P&O and they've literally got pretty much a Tesco's trolley full of like soft drinks snacks spirits <laughs> everything and I'm like 
that's great. You do you. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> but I think it's, it's a nice, this... nice feature to have, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know any other cruise line that does that. Um, there was, I was quite impressed by one lady. So we were sat out one evening, I think it was in maybe uh, one of the Italian ports. And we were sat out at the sunset bar waiting to sail away. And this lady pulled out like her bottle of wine from her bag, <laughs> filled up her glass, and then just casually <laughs> put it back in the bag again. <laughs> I will say that this is probably a really British observation, but Brits love feeling like they're getting one up on the bar and in like restaurants and hotels and things like that. So having like a sneaky bottle under the table to kind of top up, it's like, ah, you didn't see me, I'm being the system. So I think there's a little bit of kind of like... She was (laughs) prepared. She was prepared. It was like a cooler bag. It was like, I could see when she opened it up, it was like, or like, um, like, you know, like the picnic bags that you get that are all insulated. It was one of those. I love it. I love it. They do them for festivals, don't they? Because you can't take alcohol into festivals, and they do hats with hidden compartments. <laughs> to smuggle. Ah, it is, it's such a British observation. Brits love smuggling alcohol into things if they can do it. Everything. The conversations I have with customers about how to smuggle drink onto cruise ships, I'm just like, I'm not getting involved. You do you. There's tips out there if you want to find them. But yeah, P&O, just, just walk on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they seem really relaxed about it. Yeah, that that is one that is one plus thing about it. Drinks wise, we we had what we wanted. I don't think we spent more than the drinks package, so that's a win for us. Um, I think you know if you've got lots of sea days. I mean, we had a fair amount of sea days, but if um, you're off the ship for several days, um, it, it just doesn't pay on those days. So um, we had what we wanted. Well, look, that's the main thing isn't it because you're not going to go without just because you haven't got a drinks package no, but no, it's no. just how it all stacks up financially no. so obviously this was a new ship so that needs to be obviously one of the main questions so what did you think of the ship what is Arvia like I was pleasantly surprised with Arvia so it's a big ship and there's lots of passengers um but I didn't really ever feel, apart from maybe one or two times, I didn't really feel that it was ever too crowded. Because that's always the worry, isn't it? If you Mm. go on a big ship, there's going to be lots of people everywhere and it's not going to feel relaxing. But in fairness, the way that they've set it out and um, the space that they've used actually means that it doesn't ever feel too bad. So when, for example, we were going to try and find a sunbed, we never had a problem finding a choice of some beds they had plenty and then the other thing was if for example we just wandered into maybe one of the lounges or the bars and it looked quite busy actually if you looked there would always be a table that you could sit at so we never had right. a problem with getting into places because of um, too many people the one exception to that I'd probably say is the buffet but that right. needs to be the thing Which is the always. yeah yeah so what we did was we just ate in the main dining room and that solved our problem mm-hmm. For breakfast. Yeah, I'm not a buffet fan. I quite liked on Iona, do they have the boardwalk on Arvia, which was, was it deck seven, where you could walk through and there was food yeah. places? Yeah, it's called the Keys. Yes, yeah. I quite like that. So they, right, that, that, we, we like that. That was, a, that was a nice spot just to, to grab something quick. So on Arvia, they have three stations. So one station was fish and chips, and that was called hook, line and vinegar. The second station was Asian Fusion. So they had um, noodles and rice and they did a really good katsu curry there. And then the other one was a roast carvery station. Um, So they did roast dinners, 
for anyone who wants to have a roast dinner when they're on holiday. And then also <laughs> they did these um, Yorkshire pudding wraps. Oh, wow. So yeah. Um, so they had um, like your roast dinner in a wrap. Um, so, yeah, so that that was really nice place. I had um, a lot from the Asian fusion place and my boyfriend, Craig, he liked the fish and chips. So um, that was something maybe that we would grab mid-afternoon if we'd eaten, in, eaten uh-huh. breakfast. We would have a later lunch and that was a place that we quite liked to go now and again because it was just ready to go and the food is pretty good there. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I love ships that have that. They kind of have that. Like Disney do on their ships, they, and there's all like the poolside food. I kind of like that, the fact that there's like quick grab-and-go stations you can go just to grab like a snack, because I'm not always a fan of buffets. So kind of strolling around a buffet trying to make a meal out of the 17 stations drives me crazy. So to be able to kind of go to a little counter and get a burger or a hot dog or something quick and easy and I kind of know what I'm getting, I like ships that offer that type of just grab-and-go food option outside yeah. of the buffet station. So I think that's a really nice feature to have there. Yeah, they also had something called Taste 360 in the Sky Dome. And that was like your your poolside grab and go type thing. Um, they did it, in, and I actually thought that it was it was quite a good idea, really. So sometimes when you go on other cruise lines, you ha- you have to go up and you have to ask for it, whatever it is that you want, whether it's a burger or a hot dog or a pizza, or whatever. And what they did was their their crew was just basically, you know, like in McDonald's where they have like they keep replenishing everything right. so that it's ready to go. So they just had things laid out. So actually, there was pe- a plate of pizza that you could just grab. There was a burger and chips ready to go in a basket. So it was it was stuff that you could just walk up to, take what you wanted, and then there wasn't as much of a queue because people weren't waiting for their orders. So that worked quite well. Speaking of the Sky Dome then, because it's quite a big selling feature, I guess, of um, the new class of ships as well. And I know they do a lot of entertainment in the evenings as well. So how is that space and how did it feel? How was it during the daytime? And then how does it transition in the evenings? During the day, it was fairly busy. I would say a lot of the families would use that space. Um, the children, It was the biggest pool on um, the ship. Um, and so there was quite a lot of children. I mean, the, the, we didn't sail in a school holiday, um, but the children that were on board, I would say a lot of the families did kind of gravitate to that space. Mm. Um, the, there wasn't. A, I wouldn't say there was any from memory. I don't think there was any sun loungers as such. It was all just chairs around the um, swimming pool. Um, they had stuff during the day, so they had like um, interactive quizzes on the big screen. Um, the lady who um, she was like the resident busker on board. She would come in and do a set um, during the afternoon just for a bit of background music. And then during the evening, uh, they would host some of the entertainment there. So they had guest performers there. They had like tribute acts. So there was on ours, there was um, a George Ezra tribute okay. and a pink tribute. And then they did a couple of the, I think, the, I don't know what they're called, the headliners, like the basically the, the cruise line performers. Yep. They hosted a couple of shows there as well. To be honest, it was a bit weird going to a pool to watch entertainment. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing I'm trying to grasp of, like, is it like in it. an odd space for it? But some people have raved yeah. about it and it's really a really transformational space and it feels really cool that it's changing. But it is literally above the pool, isn't it, some of the entertainment? They've got aerial yeah. acts above the pool. and Yeah, so um, I think 
there was one that we we just wandered up to have a look what it is because it it, the, it they made it quite mysterious what it was and when we went up there it was absolutely completely bonkers there was like these <laughs> jumping up and down on those kangaroo like bouncy boots <laughs> and they were doing all sorts um, and they'd covered part of the pool over i think for that so that they had more space um I mean, I suppose it's an extra entertainment venue just because, you know, if yeah. you think about the amount of people that were on that cruise ship all looking for things to do in the evening, I suppose they're using right. it as an as another space for that. I guess it's more that passive entertainment, I guess, then, rather than going, I guess you go to the theatre if you want that headline show and you want to watch a full-on production. And, and maybe you can tell a little bit more about the entertainment on board as well. But I know they've got like a couple of lounges as well that kind of have more of a cabaret style and kind of the smaller intimate shows as well. So I guess it's just, as you say, to try and split people up. There's just lots of different options depending on whether you're somebody who wants something more traditional or whether you want something just a bit more passive that you can watch and enjoy while you're kind of having a cocktail and it just seems to be happening by chance type of thing, I guess. Yeah, I would say the Sky Dome is probably more of like your casual entertainment venue. So um, it would be somewhere where actually if you didn't fancy getting dressed up for the evening, then you might want to just hang out there because there would be still entertainment on, but... It would be more of a casual venue. Um, no. Going up there for formal night was um, a bit strange. Yeah. Um, so we went up, we ended up going up in that direction because we, um, and I can talk about this when we do the dining, but we um, chose to do the chef's table for the first formal night and we had to queue in the Sky Dome to get to the the chef's table which was being hosted in the part of the buffet um and yeah it was a bit weird being in that space with everyone dressed up um in their finery yeah. uh the, there's like you said there's lots of other venues um sizes of venues as well so you've got your traditional theater and you'll have your shows like your your production shows um they had just launched the greatest days take that musical on board yeah. when we got on um so that was that we really enjoyed that show it was good it was the closest i know other cruise lines do musicals but it was the closest to a, a proper musical that we'd seen on a cruise line um usually yeah. we tend to um watch ones that are maybe just like um cabaret showcase type yeah. um yeah. Type shows but this actually had a storyline and you know it was it was a, a really good production wise and i think sarah you've watched the full show haven't you recently and i saw it last week yeah yeah no. oh it was incredible honestly one minute you're laughing then you're crying and i think my age being middle-aged i think you get that whole mentality of because they're going back in time so it's like you're going back between kids and adults and what have they done with their life and oh it was brilliant i loved it it was so good it was and i didn't have high expectations but i thought it was outstanding yeah i think it needs to come with a little caveat <laughs> is that there is some sad bits in it but yeah. um, I wouldn't let that. Yeah. I wouldn't let it put anyone off. No. I say it's been really well reviewed. Anyway, it's the bits I've seen, and I'm not a big take that fan. But I've heard really positive things about the show, and it's going it's down excellent. well on social media. Having that production on board. Well, the film comes out next week, doesn't it? Is it next um, week? The week after? Does it? Which was filmed in a one of our local villages. Hmm. Are you are you an extra, Sarah? Will we see you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <Hang on. laughs> Honestly, it was all over the Facebook groups. Everybody was moaning about Clive being taken to gridlock. They were like, "But it's take that." What What's wrong with these people? <laughs> but apparently, it was really good for the town, and it's like a small village type town. And I think it brought a lot of money into the shops, and 
thought was really good. Ah. So what did you see any other shows? Because I think PO do shows really well. That was one thing that blew me away about Iona is you know that I'm obsessed with theatre and I loved all of their shows. I thought they were excellent. I will hold I will hold my hands up. I did, we didn't watch any I don't think, I'm just trying to think now, did we watch any other production shows in the theatre? Probably not. We watched the uh, the only other ones we watched in the theatre were guest performers. Right. But I think because you were travelling with Craig, wasn't you? So if I was travelling with Chris, I would have been lucky to hit one show. Because I was with a girlfriend, we just went to every show we could go. Yeah. Made the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I get, yeah, no. totally. I get what you mean. So, oh, yeah, there were some things that Craig really didn't want to go and watch. Um, yeah. And so, and there was even one of the guest um, performers that um, I went to and Craig didn't. So, um, yeah, we we did tend to just pick the things that we would both enjoy. Like mm. That's probably what you do. But don't you find as well that with the dining on P&O, it's, you've got to really fit it all in, haven't you? Because there's so much. And so tell us about it. Tell us about the dining. It takes a lot of organising. And I'd say that about the entertainment as well. It does take yeah. a lot of planning and a lot of organising. So now, now, I don't know. I would be interested to know if this is the case on other P&A ships. But I think with Iona and Arvia, because they're bigger ships, they're having to try. And like I said to you before, with the entertainment venues, they're having to just spread the, the yeah. passengers around the ship. Um, and so in order to manage that, they are having to ask people to book things in, more in advance. So yeah. P&O will open their entertainment up two weeks before you're sailing so you can go on to your my holiday cruise personalizer account and you can then book the entertainment that you want to to watch and that's pretty much just really the first week of your cruise if it's a two-week cruise and then what that does is that then gives other people who aren't as tech tech orientated to have the option of booking things once they get on board as well so it's not completely wiped out with people who have just booked everything up um so you do have to be a little bit more organized because you i want to know like what like with my dining as well i want to know like where i'm going to be when the formal nights are to just decide where i want to eat for those yeah. nights yeah. so I did find I had to be so much more organised. The dining came out, yeah. I think, I think a little bit after the entertainment. So I booked the entertainment that I wanted to watch and then I had a little bit of a breather before I then had to book all the dining. But I was one of those people that stayed up until midnight on the, <laughs> on the day that the dining was released in order to book what I wanted when and where right it's my favorite kind of facebook post is when people brag about like i stayed up until midnight and i got all my dining that i wanted on, on cruise lines where this is happening now more and more the pre-cruise planning period i kind of get a little bit kind of like oh bless you because but it's, it's 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 a weird thing isn't it that cruise is getting more complicated now the days of kind of like first seat and second seat in first show in second show in are going away more and more and more cruise lines are moving away from it and going to kind of open dining and it does mean that kind of pre-cruise anxiety of, am I going to get the slot that I want? Am I going to get the shows that I want? Is higher than it used to be. 
Um, and it's just interesting to see kind of what it does to people, particularly if you admin a lot of Facebook groups, you see people kind of getting anxious because they can't get what they want before they get on a cruise. And it does run the risk of putting people off because they're kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be getting on board and I can't do what I want to do. And then they're then having to fight with kind of the major D or they're having to fight with the onboard team and the onboard staff. So like, it's a, it's a funny one because I prefer the, the other way where it is open dining. I much prefer having that flexibility and freedom personally for how I like to cruise. But I can also see where the anxiety kicks in of what if I can't do the one thing I'm looking forward to because I didn't book it at the right window because I didn't know I had to. It is yeah a tough one isn't it to reconcile and when we got on board we spoke to several people who just didn't didn't even know that they had to do it like so there was particular things that I definitely wanted to do um there was specific specialty dining that I wanted to do and from what I'd heard about those restaurants they get booked up really really quickly so that was my reason for doing it I don't think it's fair necessarily to everyone um and i I personally like you kieran don't particularly like to know exactly what i'm doing when where always through my cruise but the nature of it meant that i i did it because i needed to make sure Mm -hmm. that i could eat at least once in all the main dining rooms i could go to the specialty dining that i wanted like do the chef's table Mm -hmm. on a formal night those kind of things where you know, all the information that I was getting was that it was going to be booked up really, really quickly. So mm. I didn't. And was it? So some things were, yeah, definitely. Um, but not everything. So there, right. there is some hope for people who don't want to do all that organizing and planning. Really? So an example of that was that we wanted to dine in Sindhu, which is the Indian restaurant on board. Really, yeah. really lovely. Um, not your traditional Indian that you would find on the high street. So it's you're not going to find your your Balti's and your um, Madrasas and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's like a, a British twist on Indian. It really, really nice. So we had that um, booked already before the cruise, and because we liked it so much, we wanted to eat there again in the second week. And we went on to the my holiday webpage app thing. And it was saying that we couldn't book until I think they were offering us like nine o'clock at night. Um, But we did just go up to the desk at Sindhu and said, we would like a table for two. We'd like it like earlier in the evening. Can you fit us in? Yeah, no problem. Um, They they found us a table straight away. So still going the traditional route is definitely possible um, for those types of things. And yeah, so if you don't book everything straight away, there is options to book on board definitely and you don't have to do it all through the um, I mean I probably shouldn't be saying this you should yes you should do everything through the app but no actually you can <laughs> you know, just do it another way we go and speak to an actual person and um and book it so that that, that was a this this thing though as well of cruise lines are transitioning I do feel like we're in the middle of a kind of cruise transition with the generation kind of who would usually cruise the generation coming into cruise and some cruise lines are trying to cater to both. So you've got systems whereby, yes, they're favoring the younger generation who are very app savvy and they love kind of using apps and things like that versus then the um, more traditional cruisers who maybe have never used an app. They've never had to do any pre-cruise planning. They're used to just turning up and speaking to the onboard team. So it does vary by line which which system mm-hmm. they prefer. But um, I've heard P&O kind of in the middle of the two, especially with Iona and Avia. They're in this weird transitioning period where they're kind of trying to test which one works. 
So you do have a lot of pre-cruise planning. You have the app on board and things like that. But then equally, you can also go speak to people on board and still make your reservations and do stuff on board. And they are keeping a pool of both so that it is fair for those two different types of sailors who particularly, I think, those two ships appeal to that kind of new to cruise customer who maybe never cruised before. They want the newest ships versus the traditional cruisers who love P&O, have sailed P&O for 20, 30 years, but still want that traditional P&O experience. So I think it's an interesting, I guess, use case of just how cruises transition. I think I think Avia and P&O, sorry, Avia and Iona, sorry, are probably a good example of that shift in cruise that's coming I guess for the generation coming into cruise now yeah I think you're definitely right there was almost like two groups of people on this cruise so there was the new cruisers the young families the young people who this was their first cruise that they were trying out um they knew no different this is this is you know the and they, they're probably more familiar with having to do things online and then the other camp was um your traditional P&O cruisers who have cruised with P&O and are very, very loyal and are trying out this new ship. And um, yeah. so, yeah, they were definitely, I noticed it. And I think with Iona and Avia, they are looking to the future of um, trying to entice new people to try cruising. Um, so yeah. I would say that it's more casual than your typical um, P&O cruise ships. Um I can only really compare to Britannia. Um, and I think it's definitely a more casual option on Arvia mm-hmm. and Iona than it is on Britannia. Um, so it, things are being relaxed. And I think in, if we're mm-hmm. going to talk about dining in a minute, I think that w- is also reflected in the offer that they're um, they're giving with the, the restaurants on board. So on, on Arvia, they have, technically they have four main dining rooms. Two are the traditional dining rooms that everyone thinks of. Um, and then the other two are the Olive Grove, which is classed as a, a main dining room and it's um, complimentary. It's not on Iona. I think on Iona, it's um, an extra fee per plate. But Arvia has Olive Grove and it also has the Sixth Street Diner, which is an American diner on board. Um, again complimentary used as one of the main dining rooms and definitely completely different to anything else um that's on PO at the moment so and just getting rave reviews as well the diner everyone i think who i know has gone on they all share loads of pictures and they rave about the diner saying it's it's so different but they love it i think it's refreshing the olive grove on iona is a mix ah uh, is it so you've got yes yeah, so you've got um up charges on certain things so you can choose to but a lot of the specialty dining is like that anyway isn't it but i think they had four main restaurants yeah i think it, plus the olive grove it's, it's pr- yeah i think it's because it's this i suppose it's the same class it's probably a very similar design yeah. isn't it similar um, no. but yeah they've incorporated the olive grove into into that now on, on our avia yeah um sixth street diner is yeah it's a refreshing change it's it's definitely completely different and will definitely appeal to younger cruisers with families mm. you know it's something it's a place where actually you could take the whole family so if there's children that are in your party then there's going to be something that all of them can find to eat which is really really good um we only ate we ate there once for brunch and once for evening meal um that was really more about time i suppose and making sure that we ate in in all the places that we wanted to eat and that was the only reason why we ate there once 
Um, we only ate in the Olive Grove once as well because of that reason. There was just just lots of places to eat on board and we wanted to eat no, no, as no. many as, as possible. So um, main dining room is right at the back, huge great windows, which is lovely. Um, so the Meridian is at the bottom. Zenith is um, right upstairs and there's a, like a staircase that links the two. Um, both identical, really, and, and what you would expect from a traditional main dining room on P&O. Um, but yeah, nice to have that addition of the Olive Grove and the Sixth Street Diner um, for more of a casual option, I suppose. Again, like it's just including these more casual options for people who don't want that formal three course meal as such. So um, the Olive Grove yeah, is, yeah. is like Mediterranean food. So, you know, well, you've got all sorts of, of different themed dishes um, that, that will appeal to people. And then obviously the Sixth Street Diner is is a, is a British take on American food. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and all that entails. <laughs> so what was your favourite specialty dining? Did you do it all? We didn't do everything. We did as much as we could. So we ate in the, well, we ate in Sindhu. We ate there twice because we liked That's it so amazing. much. Um, and I would definitely recommend that to anyone. And and I'm I'm not a massive fan of Indian food, but actually it was really, really nice because it wasn't, you know, your traditional, I wouldn't even say traditional, your British yeah. curries that you would find normally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for example, what I had was I had like, the, the main that I had was um, lobster, duck, and oh, wow. something else and it was yeah, like no you kind wouldn't of, expect that in indian would you yeah and like putting all those different flavors together um it, it was it was really really nice so cindy was was definitely one that i would recommend to anyone um we ate at the epicurean as well so the epicurean is more of like a fine dining restaurant i suppose um and that was really really nice the quality of the food was was good there um another place that was another place that we were told would get booked up really really early so that was one that we that we wanted to make sure that we booked we ate at um the beach house which is basically a section of the buffet that's um taken over in the evenings and that was your kind of um i suppose american caribbean food just a small cover charge there's extras that you can you can pet extra on the menu but you know it it was okay there's nothing to shout about it was it was all right this seems to be a bit of a trend though with carnival court because they do something similar on holland america and now on cunard as well whereby in the evenings the buffet becomes a specialty restaurant and it's nice to have the choice don't get me wrong i've had an amazing meal in the one on um on cunard which was a pan-asian one and it was the best meal i ate the entire week but it's just really weird that you sat in the buffet and you can't escape the fact that you sat in the buffet. I don't know what it was like on, on Avia, but on Cunard, it definitely was the buffet with just different curtains. <laughs> and I couldn't escape the fact that I'm kind of sat in the buffet while other people are at the other end of it eating from the buffet. And I'm in what is upcharged dining type of thing. It, 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 you know, I, like the food, I can't fault. The food was amazing. But it's, I've noticed it across a couple of the carnival brands, like Honda America especially. I know Cunard, and now it sounds like P&O are doing the same as well. It's just a bit odd on the buffet. Princess yeah. used to do it um, with their crab shack. So they used to have a, a crab shack um, and that was part of the buffet that was taken over. And then on some of their older ships, they had like the Sterling Steakhouse that was like a pop-up as well. Um, what I would say is that, yeah, you, yeah you're sat in, in the buffet in, in effect. Um, it's table service, but 
you're sat in the buffet. And that was very apparent when we booked the chef's table. So the chef's table's only, it's, it's included, but it's only available on your celebration evenings, your formal nights. Um, and right. the menu is supposed to be better um, than, say, the main dining room, but it's in the buffet. So you're all in your, your fancy clothes and um, you sat in the buffet. So the setting... Do you know that I really enjoyed that? I really... And I didn't think I would. When Sue said she'd booked it, I thought, great. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the way they did that on Iona. So maybe it's a bit different. I just, because I I am not a buffet fan. It's just more the concept of it's like this signature dining experience, but you are in the buffet. Well, and I think you just yeah. can't escape that weird kind of like, oh, I'm in the buffet. You're always, I don't know, every now and then you're just subtly reminded that you're dining... I can't fault the food. Like I say, the food is incredible. So it's not on the table. I should say it's all table service. You're getting the same, you know, signature dining experience. You're just located in an area of the buffet and you just can't shake that weird feeling of surely there's a nicer place to do this on the ship somewhere. (laughs) That was the night. That was my birthday night as well. So like I was was formal night um, and we just decided to book it that night because they thought, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a special menu. Um, and and yeah, the the food food was nice. It was, I it was oh yeah, it was it was just like you said. It was just a bit of a strange setting, but I understand completely mm. why they do it because you know everyone on a formal night would like to eat a three course meal. And they can't fit them all in the main dining rooms, so that is just another reason why they've maybe introduced that just to 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 make sure that it's extra venues isn't it it's extra space extra seats for the night type of thing and it's just giving you option which i'm all for the more option on board a cruise ship for you to dine at i'm all for it yeah um it's just one of those things you love about cruise just one of those really random like observations you make like "Hmm, this is odd (laughs) so what else did you do uh oh the other one actually um the other specialty dining restaurant that we ate in it was actually on the last sea day it was like literally the day before we left to go back to Southampton and it, if we'd have known how good it was we probably would have um, booked earlier in the cruise and then gone again um, it was called Mitsuhana but it was as part of Green & Co which um, Green & Co oh. is their vegan friendly vegetarian restaurant <laughs> right um, unfortunately it's tucked away behind the keys so not many people tend to find it or um, try it. So it was really, really quiet. Mitsuhana was the sushi section of that restaurant. So we we really like sushi. So that was something that we wanted to try for a lunch. Um, and that was that was really, really, really nice. Freshly prepared in front of us. Um, because it was quiet, it was it was lovely just to have I think I think if it's busy, I think there's like a set amount of time that you have, but because there wasn't anyone, we could just um, take as much time as we wanted and like I said the sushi was freshly prepared in front of us and um, that was a really really nice treat and again something completely different for P&O so yeah. another new addition um, hopefully it will it will do well um, and hopefully the the vegan friendly restaurant will do well as well because there's definitely a market for it for people who are yeah. who are looking to um, eat healthier or you know change their lifestyle that there is that now that um will accommodate them and the prices were, were reasonable in the um the green and co as well you know you just pay p- for your plates you can have small plates or large plates 
um, and they were all reasonably priced as well. So definitely possible for someone who's a vegan to to go on and well, and eat quite easily there. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a trend across the industry. I'm noticing more and more brands are introducing kind of vegan or lighter op- options for dining just because I think people are more aware of gorging themselves because I have as well like with the amount of times we've been sailing recently I've just become quite conscious of how much I'm consuming on ships so I'm now choosing slightly different menus or I'm skipping courses just because I can't eat the the sheer amount of food that keeps coming at you on a cruise ship I start off really good usually (laughs) see I do the opposite I I, I treat myself the first night or two and then I yeah I always have to diet up to my cruise to get into my cruise clothes so I'm still in that kind of mentality for the first few days and then I'm just like yeah I'm gonna have it all take all the pictures at the beginning and then at the end of the week then it's like yeah no (laughs) dimly lit please (laughs) so did you have a favorite area on the ship Mm, okay so out out in terms of an outdoor space I really like the sunset bar that was at the back Mm, of the ship it looks amazing um and in the like early evening I think probably from like five till I want to say five till 10, actually, they would have um, a DJ out there. So like you could just sit outside. Um, there was you could have a cocktail, you could listen to um, a DJ. And it was just a really nice setting. Um, so that was a really nice space. And we would tend to gravitate to there as we um, were sailing away. So and then we'd stay for, like for a little bit longer. Everyone would go in and, you know, get ready for dinner and it would go quite quiet. So I, I really like that space. That was a nice outdoor space. Um, that we we kind of gravitated to um the other space was that we liked actually was right next to it so the inside lounge um in front of the sunset bar was called the clubhouse and that was a huge lounge um and there was the house band was there every night and they would do different themes of um music but they were really talent they were really talented um singers and musicians um and so we didn't go to we didn't go every night but we did go there quite a few times just because it was just a nice place and it was a really nice lounge as well it was quite it was quite nice there were loads loads of seats there so again one of those places where you look in and you think oh it's quite busy but actually if you carried on walking around you could always find a seat um and a table the amber lounge is in the atrium and they do a really nice cocktail list and it's only available in the amber lounge but it's it's almost like if um you know the good spirits bar on princess where the theme is like around the world so the cocktails are all inspired by different um places and destinations so that was a really nice cocktail list in the amber lounge and the grand atrium yeah that was nice i love things like that that's that you'll find be the entire voyage raspberry creme brulee i liked oh no it's amazing did you try that? Is there a jazz club on? Yes. Oh, dear. So, yeah, 710 Club um, is the... Is the That's it. It's a little... Is it, was it a jazz club on Iona or was it the same? Yeah. It was like a tiny little club, like a tiny little... It was jazz and blues and every night they had a different band or singer on. I really enjoyed that, but it was much smaller. Yeah, it was quite a small space. I'd say there was probably about... when We went in there once... And that was the one thing I failed at. You know, I said like I'd stayed up late and I'd booked everything and stuff. And that was the one thing I failed at because uh, I didn't realize that that when you got on board, you had to book that. And that was something that just like got completely booked. 
And so by the time, like, by the time we realized, oh, yeah, we need to book, probably book that because that sounds quite good on day two, it was full every night. Oh, really? So, but what we did was, and it did work for us the one time that we did it. So, what we did was we just hovered around. So, I think they they did like three sessions a night, and we just hovered around um, just before, about five minutes before one of the sessions, and said, you know, is there anyone that hasn't turned up? And they said, yeah, 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 that's fine. You can go in. Um, so, I think there is that that if you want to um, just hover around and just see if there is anyone because. Some people don't finish their dinner in time or their plans change. And when they booked it, they thought that they could make it and now they couldn't do. And the same goes with the theatre, in fairness. There was there was that that was going on in the theatre where we just um, we would we went in, for example, and maybe someone said, oh, we we booked four, but there's only three people now. And they said, oh, that's good. Then we can hold that back for someone who just turns up. So there was that going on. The 710 Club yeah. um, session that we watched was, it was called Handwritten. So it was all about right. songwriting. So it was, it was, right. it was on that theme. But they did, um, I think, a, like a 90s um, theme on some evenings. Um, and there was always a theme. Um, and so people could kind of choose which ones they went to. Uh, I, I wish we'd gone there a bit more, really, because actually it was quite a nice setting. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do, was there any positives or negatives first? Was there, was there anything that stand out amazing? And then what would you improve? Okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll do negatives first, and then I will start. I will then finish on positives. So we finish on a, finish okay. on a positive note. So um, so negatives for me, for me were probably that you had to be really, really organised um more organized than i've ever had to be on a cruise before in order to to do everything that you wanted to do um i would say our cabin location wasn't the best Mm -hmm. that's fair to say um but that's just down to circumstance and the risk that we took by booking a guaranteed cabin um i would say sometimes dining could be a bit busy so P&O were operating a virtual queue system. So you will go onto your your phone, you join a virtual queue, and then they'll tell you when a table is available. Um, and some nights we'd look at the virtual queue and there was like loads in front of us because it tells you like, so there's so many people in front of you in the queue. Um, so we would go on sometimes and it would be lots of lots of people in the queue in, in front of us. So we just reverted to what we used to do on cruises, which was go to the dining room and they give you a buzzer and then you just wait until your buzzer goes off. And that was far quicker than the virtual queue. So although... I have heard this from a number of people as well and customers of mine who've said that of the app gives you a really long time, but if you just go there, you tend to get in a bit quicker. Yeah. So although that's a negative, there's definitely a a workaround with that one that that meant that we didn't ever wait. I think when we, we waited like 15 minutes that was generally with the buzzer that was that was how long we were waiting for 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 dining so that was good um yeah other than that i don't think there's any other negatives which is you know fairly good Mm, that's good Mm. positives i would say is that although it's a big ship actually it didn't feel like there was thousands of people 
I mean, I don't I don't know how many people were on our, our cruise. You're probably talking about five thousand people that were on because it wasn't it was um out of the school holidays, so less children, but yeah, still a lot of people. Um we only really noticed that when it was um breakfast in the buffet or when we were queuing for a shuttle bus in port. But in fairness, the queue didn't last long for the shuttle buses. They carried on moving. So there was never really a time when we felt that, like there was loads and loads of people, which was good. Like I said before, sun, loads of sun loungers, loads of places to sit in all the inside venues and things. So they did manage it and they've designed it really well for that um, reason. Other uh, positives. Do you know what? There was sometimes with... Um, you know cruise lines where you're not paying a premium you can definitely see where there's um cost cutting and there's there's things like that i would say that pno on avia had some quite thoughtful touches that actually did make a difference um so one of the things that was actually really handy was as they had water stations all dotted around the ship so that if you yeah. wanted to just fill a water bottle up um that was actually really handy and they had plenty um, of those that's sometimes an issue you know you end up having to order bottles of water to your room and things like that but you've got you know. your water stations that you can just use and it's filtered water because i'm a i can my stomach can be a little bit sensitive um so yeah filtered water was really good and then the other thing that was actually really just a really small thing but i thought do you know what that's quite good is the um toilet doors so, well, yeah. <laughs> like, didn't you see that one coming? Such <laughs> <laughs> excitement. So, <laughs> so easily pleased. Um, I know. <laughs> so, no, but they are really good. So you don't have to like they've done. They've they've created a system where you don't have to touch anything which is perfect on a cruise ship and especially in the toilets, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as soon as you walk up to a door, actually any door, not just the toilet doors, if you walk up to any door, it opened. And then, you know, there was it, it, there was this, yeah, there was just like this locking system that meant actually you can just wave your hand over mm-hmm. the sensor to lock it, things like that. It was just, they obviously thought about contact and, and yeah, you know, yeah. making sure that they're minimizing things so actually although it's like a really tiny thing i thought well actually they've thought about it and they've made that like they've introduced it onto um that would make <laughs> phil very happy because phil's a massive germaphobe and phil walks around with like hand sanitizer and tells me to sanitize anytime i touch a handrail Anytime I touch anything on a ship, Phil's literally there waiting to dispense hand sanitizer. <laughs> so little things like that would probably suit him down to a T because he goes, he gets a little bit OCD about things like that. Yeah, I think. No, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. And then the next ship I went on, I was like, you have to touch the toilet doors. <laughs> we, we stood there waving at it for a little bit to what see if it would work. Jedi tricks on the doors, like. <laughs> Actually, it's only a small thing, but when you go on your next cruise on a different cruise line that doesn't have it, you think I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go on this one. Yeah, you know, I'll no. do it myself. <laughs> then you're there again with your sleeve. <laughs> I do do that. I do do that. <laughs> uh, um, the other positive I had was the amount of hot tubs. 
Um, oh, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, is it deck seven or eight? Uh, I would. Uh, the promenade is on eight. Right. The promenade's on eight. Um, and they had, they had one hot tub, by the sunset bar. Um, mm-hmm. but further up the decks, um, they had hot tubs not just around the pools. They also had them on the sides as well. And the ones on the side yeah. had the they weren't they weren't in. I suppose they're technically not infinity ones, but they're ones where it's like glass all on on the outside, mm. so that you could actually just sit and look out. Um, you could also obviously in port, you could also see people in the hot tubs from a not so flattering <laughs> angle. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, we I sat in the hot tub a couple of times when we were sailing away from somewhere, and it was quite nice just to sit in there and just watch us leave. Um, and that was really really nice. And yeah, there was just plenty. I don't even know how many there was. I've, there's there's a, a a large amount of hot tubs, and the ones that aren't around the pool areas were always quiet. So that's a good tip as well. I think I counted on Iona. I might be wrong. It's on a TikTok somewhere, but I'm sure I counted eighteen on the promenade deck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it was 18 on the promenade deck. That is I think that's just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was that was a really nice touch. And then they and, and at the back, the pools, although they weren't very very big, they also had like the infinity glass so that you could um just swim up to the edge of the ship almost what it felt like. So that was that was a nice little feature. How was the swim at bar at the back of the ship? Cuz when they announced that, I was like, "Oh, that's just a selling feature for me. I I'd, I'd never leave." Yeah, we did. We did use that. That was that was quite cool. Um, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice place to hang out. It did get busy because obviously it was quite popular. I bet, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was definitely nice to sit on one of the, like the stools and um, kind of be half in the water and then drinking a pina colada. So that was that was that was really nice. Oh. In the Caribbean, that would be amazing. Just kind of sailing away from no. Caribbean islands. Yeah, I should say. The idea in your head is that Instagram versus reality, isn't it? In your head, yeah. you're like, it's me so by myself home. drinking. <laughs> like 40 people around you. And you're just like... <laughs> so did you use the retreat? It is the retreat, isn't it? Uh, no, um, we didn't. You know. No, the retreat, I think oh. we could only book it for like the whole duration of our cruise. Oh, right. So we decided right. not to. But the beachcomber pool was right next to the retreat and that was an adult-only area. So that was... A nice quiet space. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So we did because on Iona it wasn't, uh-huh. and a lot of people complained about that because we went in the half term and it was there was a lot of kids on. There weren't a problem at all, but there were a lot on that pool. But we paid for the retreat. It was Norwegian fjord, so yeah. it wasn't the best weather. Some days, Stu and I were just sat in the jacuzzi on our own in the rain for the glass of wine. But but we we paid for it. Paid. We were there with his coat and umbrella. We're there under the. <laughs> but, um, but I wonder if that, because so many people were complaining that the kids were in all of the pools and there was no adult only area. So mm-hmm. that's a really good move that they've done that. They've obviously listened and decided that they no, definitely no. need uh, a free adult only pool area, and that's that's yeah. what they've done in on Arvia. I'm 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 guess I didn't realise they hadn't done it on Iona. So yeah. Just in just behind the retreat. Um, I mean, I looked in the retreat, like through the little slats. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the beach coma is a 
none of the pools i would say on avia are that big the biggest one is in the sky down um but it's a nice pool just to to have a dip in and again quiet so we've talked forever we haven't even got onto the cruise port so we'll probably have to skip that for today but just tell us your favorite cruise pool (laughs) i know we never get to the cruise ports the way through the ship um but what is your favorite cruise port what what did you really enjoy um without a doubt uh la spezia so we went to so the beauty is as well on our next cruise we are also going to la spezia um and so from la spezia we went to cinque terra yeah right and that was that was so nice that was lovely and really really easy to do on our own so from La Spezia, we got a train and we bought a pass, a Cinque Terre pass, and that allowed us to go up and down um, and see the villages. So we thought we'll pace ourselves. We saw two um, when we were on Arvia. Uh, we saw the first two. And they're beautiful. They're just like sitting on the edge of um, the cliff. All the houses are all painted, all different pastel colours. Really, really nice. Um, and we're looking forward to going back there again next cruise i'm kicking myself we didn't get off on virgin we stayed on the ship oh. so we didn't get to go visit I'm kicking myself now well we had a lovely day in the dock having tapas <laughs> or mezzi we had a lovely day yeah i do every time i write my blog about it i kick myself if like we should have got off the ship that one port we yeah didn't. a lot i think a lot of people um it's a port for florence and pisa so a lot of people mm. i think ended up florence is a long way from the spezia so it's probably mm. like two right. hours or something each way um pisa i think probably was a popular one um i don't think that many went to cinque terra on their own independently i think generally people would were preferring to take organized excursions from that port that's what stopped us we tried to free explore it and there was some sort of train delay or train strike and everything by the time we worked out how to do it we were just like this is a lot of effort and it's a blessing and a curse of the job. We kind of went with the mentality of, sure, this won't be the last time we'll be here. Famous last words, but we were kind of like, luckily, hopefully we'll be back again. And we'll, now we know the lay of the land, we'll probably plan ahead next time because we are terrible port planners. We don't put, we don't plan anything for our ports. We just kind of rock off the ship and we're like, right, port, entertain me. We're terrible. I do like to have an idea. I mean, we didn't buy any shore excursions on this one because all the ports were fairly easy to do on our own. Um, but we had a bit of an idea in each one and some of them were really nice in that you could just walk straight off the ship into town. So Cadiz was like that or Cadiz was like that. Um, Barcelona was fairly like that. Obviously, you take a shuttle bus, but after that, you can just wander around yourself. And the other one was Acaruna another one where you just literally walk off the ship into the town so you can quite easily just have a potter around yourself and see some bits and pieces stop in a cafe have something to eat all those kind of things so they were really nice ports but the the one for La Spezia I like I had my plan I had like a like I'd done the research on the trains side of things um yeah which was definitely worth it I mean, I'm seeing, like, on the next cruise I'm going on, I'm seeing, like, the price of a trip to Cinque Terre is, like, £166. Our train card was, like, €18, so yeah, it it just shows that you can do it and you haven't got to spend a fortune. Obviously, for the cruise, I always recommend that customers book the onboard shore excursion. 
always any prisoners are listening <laughs> yeah we like to self-explore as well we do like to there's certain times you've got to but it's, a, it's that thing in it you've got to do what you're comfortable with and some mm. people are very yeah. happy and independent a free explorer and they're quite adventurous and they're not afraid of getting back to the ship other people have obviously want to help in hand and this may be the only time they'll ever do that cruise so they want to maximize it so you know it's down to everyone's individual comfort level me and phil are very very confident to kind of get off the ship and have a pot around and entertain ourselves for a couple of hours um and i guess like i keep saying the blessing of the job and our passion for cruising we feel like we'll be back at these places multiple times so we it won't be our one and done chance to do these ports so brilliant, Laura. Thank you so much for that. It's been really nice to kind of have your first-hand experience of sailing with Avio and also sailing with PO as well. I think it's they're a unique line, definitely because of how British they are. So I think it's really nice to kind of share that with the listeners as well. And I know we get a lot of listeners in America as well, so it could be quite interesting for them to kind of understand a bit more about what British cruising is and why Brits love cruising with a British cruise line that offers kind of more authentic British experience. Um, now, I know you've got loads of content on your website. So if people want to kind of follow you on social media or they want to visit your website, where's the best place to find you online? So the best place to find me is uh, cruiselifestyle.co.uk. I also have a YouTube channel, so Cruise Lifestyle. Um, across all the social channels, actually, Cruise Lifestyle is, is where you'll find me. By all means, if anyone wants to join us for Cruise Hour, all they have to do is search the hashtag Cruise Hour and that will come up. Um, that's every Tuesday, which is at the moment UK. 8 p.m. British summertime. <laughs> so, yeah, thank Perfect. you ever so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. And thank Lovely. you. I feel honored. I say, I feel like as our first guest, we should probably get like, do you know the Sunday brunch mugs? And then when people come on, they get a Sunday. <laughs> Maybe we should get a magically cruising mug made up. But every time someone comes on and then by their fifth appearance, they're going to go on one. <laughs> I'd be well happy with I that. Can yeah. quite easily. Right, I'll send you a mug, Laura. We have to just work out how we're going to do this here, and we need a logo. Have we got a logo? We do have a logo, um, yes, there we do. Right. Yeah. I was talking about MSC the other day, and I was, I, and I, I was like, I've never been on MSC, and Kieran went, yeah, but you're going on next year, and I went, no, I'm not. He went, yes, you are, and I thought you were crazy. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, where are I going? Am I going this year? No, next year. <laughs> So, yeah, I hope you really found that interesting, guys. And again, thank you for coming on, Laura. If you are interested in booking a P&O cruise, then I would definitely love to help you. You can find me online at magical-traveler.com or you can find me on all my social media under Magical TRVLR, except for Twitter. I am Kieran TRVLR. Don't know why, just decided that. Um, but, Sarah, I know you guys have a ton of content as well on your website about all the cruise lines, but especially P&O as well. Where's the best place the guys can find that? So you can find us on Cruising Fox all and cruising with kids so we've mainly iona um that's the only cruise we've done but we've got lots on iona um and anything that laura produces we will share links to that as well and you can also find me on mini travelers brilliant great thanks for that guys hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'll see you on the next one Bye. bye, bye.